0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Small Council Radio. Um, yeah, know, I'm super excited to be able to get uh, a bunch of these shows out to you. Uh, yeah, know, I'm really looking forward to just providing you guys more content. Um, you know, with the game getting so much cool stuff out there, I, I definitely want to be giving you guys as much uh, content as possible. Um, you know, even between all the other content creators, which do an amazing job, um, you know, it, I always find it to be, you know, the more the better. Um, you might not be able to listen to everything, you know, once there's so much content out there, you know, sometimes it's hard to follow at all. But, um, you know, even having a backlog, especially for those painters out there, you know, you're just kind of listening to the show as you get a bunch of painting done. Uh, I know that's what I do. So I really do hope uh, this is, you know, something that you guys want. Um, and, you know, I hope uh, hope you guys appreciate it. Um, and I hope it helps you out. Uh, you know, with that said, kind of just stalling for Brett. Brett is doing some last-minute stuff at work. Uh, but it will be myself and Brett on tonight to talk about the leaked Hero Box 3. And uh just wanted to point out, um, someone did comment on the last, uh, on the Lannister leak, leak discussion. Um, I understand that, like, it's released some places in the world, but I still call it leaked because, um, you know, the app isn't updated. It's not, like, officially released. For example, uh, unless the TO overrides, like, the rule, because the TO can kind of make whatever rules they want for their tournament. Uh, these boxes would not be tournament legal otherwise. Uh, and that's what I kind of mean by leaked. You know, they they were released too early uh, by a lot of people and got them. Um, uh, you know, to be fair, I, I don't know if maybe by now some places have, like, officially released them. I just know when all these were dropping initially, they were... Um, they were leaks uh they weren't you know they came out way before they were uh they were shown way before they were uh intended to so i understand a lot of people kind of get like that confused you know just because it's on the internet just because the rules are technically available um or you can you know, buy it from somewhere far away doesn't necessarily mean that its street date has arrived. Um, now it is possible to have something release and, uh, you know, pretty much globally and then a small part of the globe not get it, but it has passed its release date, um, so uh, that is definitely a possibility. Um, and I'm sure, you know, depending on how long it takes us in the U.S. to get ours, you know, that street date might might uh, come up and we still might not have ours. Um, so that is definitely a possibility as well. But I just throw the word leaked in there just because, you know, it when we got all this information, um, it was a leak at that time. Uh, whether, you know, because obviously whenever you're listening to this, you could be. Who knows? You could be listening to last week's stuff, um, you know, and you might not get to this episode for a week or two. Um, and so by the time you're listening to it, it could definitely not be a leak anymore. But either way, it doesn't really necessarily change the content of the show. Um, the, you know, we're basically just going to be discussing it uh, as we see it. Kind of get the information out there, kind of give you some cool like tips and tricks, and you know kind of our thoughts on it and uh and another thing to keep in mind is that our thoughts on this stuff is always preemptive um you know I haven't gotten to play with any of it yet uh, as far as the stark stuff myself um, a lot of my friends will a lot of the times try out the new non commander stuff, and I'm more than for it. I could care less. Myself, I don't often um, proxy uh, the new leak stuff um, unless like it's a a character that's already out. For example, uh, you know, we talked about uh, Robert Strong uh, in the last episode. And, you know, because he basically has a model as the mountain, even if it's not like technically the exact same, you know, it's a different portion or different uh, um, time in uh Gregor's life, non life, resurrected, uh, come back from the dead life. Um, you know, I you know, I might proxy that if, you know, it ends up feeling like it's taken too long for the hero box to come out. But if it's uh let's say in this box, uh, Rickard Stark, I might wait on proxying him just because there's no actual model for him out yet. I don't know. It's just kind of one of my little OCD things. I, I try my best not to proxy for myself. Um, that's also like with painting. I you know, Something in me like has to have my stuff fully painted when I go to like major events. But if my opponent is proxying, if my opponent is, has non unpainted stuff, I don't even bat an eye. Like I could literally care less, but my OCD like completely goes full tilt when it comes to my own stuff um so it's just kind of how I've been for a long time I wouldn't say for uh, the entirety of my gaming career the OCD that I currently have is one of those things that have slowly progressed um so it uh it's definitely um you know, something that kind of one day I felt like it just kind of snuck up on me. I'm like, man, when did I become OCD? (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, but, um, that said, uh, still kind of stalling. Uh, it looks like Brett's having a really, uh, hard time at work right at this moment. So I'm going to do my shout outs at the beginning for you guys. Um, especially for those that can, uh, usually don't uh, make it to the end of each episode. Um, and may not have heard some of the uh, other shout-outs from the other episodes. So um, I want to shout-out Sunday Slaughter's um, regional qualifier for the um, nationals at Gen Con. Um, The number of uh, qualified spots will depend uh, on the attendance, but uh, theirs is May 21st uh so definitely go check that out myself and spencer will be there uh it's a $20 entry fee it used to be a $30 entry fee but they're uh they lowered the amount um in order to kind of make it a little more beginner-friendly. So it will still be a competitive event, so don't get me wrong there. But they are somewhat gearing it a little more towards the casual side in that sense. So uh, the very specifics of that, I can't say 100%. Maybe they're giving out, um, like, the prize awards, maybe more geared towards the newer players or, like, best in faction or, you know, stuff like that. Maybe that to kind of help make it a little more casual, I can't say for sure. Um, Something to maybe ask uh, Bob, I believe, is running it or uh, at least organizing it, so definitely contact him. You'll want to go on asongoficeandfirestats.com to sign up uh, and figure out how to pay from there. Um, Another one I want to shout out is uh, Kansas City. Um, Let me just uh, sign on to stats here to see... Where exactly? I know we just talked about this in the Lannister episode, but um, is a qualifier there as well on June 11th. Um, sorry, just put in my password, uh, and they as well. All the same rules sort of apply in the sense that it is on Ice and Fire dot com. Um, you'll be able to uh, sign up there. They have. Limited spots as well as gamer, Gamers Haven in uh, Ohio will have limited spots. So definitely don't wait um, if you are sure you're going. Um, or even if you have the disposable cash, I think it's it might or might not be non-refundable. But um, if you have the extra cash, what I like to do, even if I'm unsure, uh, I'll pay um, just to hold my spot. And worst case, if I have to drop out, they can get someone that's on the waiting list, they can get a little extra cash from me to go towards the prize pool, which I definitely don't me personally, I don't mind, you know, if I'm uh if that extra money just goes towards kind of supporting the store and the event, uh I'm all cool for that too. Um but let's see here. Uh future events. So, I apologize for the slight um silence as I kind of look uh for this event coming up man. so many good events uh, on this list. So there's also a New Jersey regional, um, looks like, uh, on June 11th as well. Um, let's see. I wonder, I know, uh, Cyrus had just mentioned what it was called. Um, see, I see the Gamers Haven one there. There's so many awesome events coming up. So anyone who isn't on a song of ice and fire go uh, definitely sign up, uh, make an account. You'll be able to input your, uh, you can not only be able to build lists, you'll be able to input all of your data from all your games, kind of collects all that data and gives you kind of how different factions and builds and stuff are doing, Uh, and not only that, huge list of upcoming tournaments that you'll be able to uh um so let me wonder if this uh never even checked before if these dots are clickable on the map uh i can't seem to find it i don't want to spend too much time looking for it but definitely uh it shows that it's on there because they have like little dots on uh, like a world map of where all the events are signed up. There's definitely one there. It's uh, in Kansas, in the Kansas city, Kansas, not, uh, Kansas city, Missouri. Um, there is two and they're, I believe very close to each other. Um, so definitely check that out. Uh, and then, uh, another one I wanted to mention is, uh, that um, we are trying to get our Illinois qualifier uh, will possibly be on the same exact day as the Kansas City one, uh, June 11th. Uh, Same with us as well. Um, I don't know if ours will be on stats. Uh, You know, our group just isn't like a stats group. Um, No one really wants to sign up, it seems like. And uh, so I might just try to do the extra work, collect all the data, and see if I can somehow submit it all myself. May take a little time. I don't mind doing that. I'll have to work with. Uh, uh, maybe I'll message after the show. I'll message uh, Mickey or Carlo and see about um, trying to do that. But yeah, our group is just kind of. They have nothing against stats. Uh, they just are kind of stubborn in the sense they don't want to sign up. All you know, all of them don't want to sign up for accounts. So. Um, And I wouldn't say everyone, but enough that, you know, we would have incomplete data. So I'll look into that. Um, So uh, looks like Brett is going to be calling in any minute now. So um, with that said, I'll kind of jump into uh, the Starks, and we'll talk about uh, the couple of attachments that have already been uh, a thing because of the kick, uh, Kickstarter models. Um, we will uh, just kind of get those out of the way. We have Mage Mormont, um, two-point infantry attachment, has go-down fighting and unyielding. Uh, each time uh, a rank in this unit is destroyed, one enemy they are engaged with suffers one wound, uh, and then this unit suffers minus one wound from failing panic attacks for, tests for each of its destroyed ranks. Um She's been out for a long time in this uh, version. Uh, The first unit I always want to try to put her in, ironically, is Berserkers, and it will double up on the unyielding, which obviously definitely does not make her worth her points. She just has not seen almost any play in her current version. I'm sure some people out there absolutely love her. I'm sure some people out there have tried her and been like, oh, she's fine. I personally just have not had any luck at all uh, with her at two points with these abilities, um, and it looks like uh, Brett uh, is on. Uh, how are you doing, Brett?
1: Hi, Dave. Yeah, I, uh, I was thinking <laughs> I could get home in time, but I underestimated that Indy four sixty five
0: traffic a little bit, so
1: just running a little bit behind. But I'm I'm here now,
0: so no problem. Um, I don't know if you were hearing while uh, uh, in the background. Uh, We're just discussing Mage Mormont. uh, What are your thoughts on Mage here?
1: Uh, So we're discussing her uh, standard attachment, right?
0: Yeah, just the two-point standard attachment.
1: Uh, Let's see. Uh, You know, I... Hmm. She's not bad. I think I would sort of miss stubborn tenacity. Um, either way, she's... If there's, it's, a, it's weird. So, the named two-point attachment, it gets so weird with, like, some of them are good, like, really strong, and then some of them aren't, and then some you even have that are just inferior to a one-point version, like... Uh, Asha at one point is I know they're not the same abilities but it's very similar um, case of you know Asha's to one point and it is superior to Mage at two so uh, it would have been interesting to see Mage have go down fighting and Warcry Warcry thematically fits Mage given that the She-Bears have Warcry themselves it would be cool to be able to put her in like unit of grade axes or something and give them war cry um at that point though i'm just wish listing which is the thing i try to avoid doing on the show so we'll just take her at face <laughs> value and for, for what she is at two points i just i don't even know where you would put her so i guess when eddard was only five points it kind of makes sense to have go down fighting in your army because you've got ways to replenish ranks. You've got ways to keep the go-down fighting train kind of going. Um, go-down fighting makes sense in Targs because you have Illyrio. Go-down fighting would make sense in Night's Watch. You could put it with Corin because you've got Amon who could heal. You've got Rally Cry and things like that to heal. I guess if you were running Mage in a list with Eddard, then you could use Eddard's Rally Cry and his ability to chain attack to keep the ranks healed up to t- get the most benefit from go down fighting but again for that 2 point price tag I just I just don't see it being worth it I I wouldn't pay 2 points fighting and unyielding so that's kind of a sad state of affairs yeah thing, I guess.
0: yeah In and my even view, as it
1: is to be, and, and to be honest with with as good as the other attachments are for Starks, even if she was 1 point right if they just dropped her to 1 point I think she would still be fighting her generic Mormont vet attachment and potentially even fighting like the Sworn Sword Captain, Rickon and an Osha, uh, Bran for a point. And this is not even considering what they bring with a wolf being open. I think, I think Rickon and an Osha are worth a point even without bringing Shaggy Dog. And I think now after the rework, Bran is worth a point without even bringing Summer. So she's fighting some pretty stiff competition And then you start to get into the question of, well, am I running archers? Do I run a Kranigman Warden? Do I bring Mira because hidden traps are better? It just gets a little bit crowded. And I think overall that's something eventually the developers might have to look into is, you know, some of the crowding at the one point. But I think if everybody is basically a point, then it's flavor for your list. But two-point attachments are just difficult right now. So I think she's, suffering from that substantially
2: yeah
0: and i was just about to agree that even at one point it'd be very difficult to run her um but instead of like you were saying instead of wishlisting i would just simply put it out there that i really just think she needs a redesign uh in her current form uh because obviously simply making her a one point i just don't feel like does it Uh, so we'll have to see what they do with her Um, you know I understand why she's the same right now Uh, I mentioned this in the Lannister uh, episode that uh, these hero boxes have probably been done and made and packaged for a long time now and I know that may seem weird to some people but just the way a lot of this stuff works is you know they have this stuff done and ready well in advance but they're not just going to release it the instant that it's ready. You know, they have to have like the scheduled, like, um, release dates, you know, work out all the logistics, you know, you know, they don't want to just dump everything they have instantly. So they have like the scheduled plan. And sometimes with these, uh, six to 12 month updates, you're going to see the, uh, stuff not really change even though, um, even though we may feel that it should have. Um, all right, so next up we'll talk about the other Kickstarter, which is Brendan Tully Vanguard Infiltrator, a two-point cavalry attachment. He has marked target, starter a friendly turn, target one enemy in line of sight in long range, they become vulnerable. He has the, uh, uh, which is an order, and he also has outflank. You may hold this unit off the table in reserve instead of deploying them when a friendly NCU comes. Maneuver, you may replace that zone's effect with. Deploy one unit from reserve fully within short range of any flank table edge. Um, I think it's decent. Uh, Two points for what we've seen other things have. Two points is a little hefty, uh, but that said, it's not out of the realm of, like, you know, it's not so egregious or anything that I would never see this taken. Uh, one thing I think I kind of like them in is just the reduced cost of the Outriders uh, for eight points. I know it seems like a lot, but if you can outflank those Outriders in the back, uh, they have Ambush, which gives vul- or, sorry uh Panicked and Weakened when you charge the Flanker Rear, and that Marked Target is going to let you get all three tokens if you Granted, if you want to mark the unit that you're about to charge, um, so it's definitely uh definitely a great attachment um like an auto include definitely not I don't think it's that strong, but I think it's it's kind of i I would venture to say right where it needs to be Alflink um, is a tricky ability uh it's one of those abilities that is very easy to um, counter but if you use uh if you have it it also can essentially change the game itself which is probably why it needs to be easy to counter cuz um you know outflanking and then just like changing the game that easily with no easy counter to it uh, could become a problem so uh what do you think Brett how do you feel about this attachment
3: yeah, it's not
1: bad um it's- Mark Target is good. It's a good strong ability. Um, I would put it at a point. Um, I think they're they're making outflank worth a point, and I guess I guess this is one where they just kind of maybe had to exercise a little bit of caution because of the simple fact that you can outflank Tully Cavaliers or Flavmen. Um, They probably were concerned about that being a little bit too strong. Uh, and so they went ahead and priced him at two so that that combination would be ten points, which is a quarter of your army, and there's no guarantee that you can even deploy them in round one, and your opportunity cost for deploying them in round two might be fairly substantial. That said, if you have blade men, for example, in your army with this Tully version, uh, your opponent is definitely probably going to have to adjust their battle plan to account for that, Um, particularly if you're going first in round two, so you know you'll be able to get the horses and deploy. Um, If they're not prepared for that, if they haven't done something to be prepared for that, they could be in trouble having flayed men behind them. That would be my thought on it, I guess.
0: All right, so um, we can move on to Rickard Stark. He is also a two-point attachment. Uh, Where is it? Yep, two points. Uh, None of these attachments have any restrictions on the back of their card. Uh, He comes with Stark Fury. Which is, when this unit is performing a melee attack, before rolling attack dice, this attack gains critical blow and sundering. After completing this attack, this unit suffers two wounds, minus one for each of its destroyed ranks, and uncontrollable rage. When this unit activates, it can charge an enemy, if it can charge an enemy, it performs one morale test on a failure, it performs one charge action on the nearest valid enemy, and counts as having rolling a six for all charge distance dice. Um, I would say, I am not sure that uh, he's going to see much play at two points. Now, if this, again, was made way before uh, the changes, and that's why it says Stark Fury, if this is, uh, is it, Winter's Bite? The new, basically, Stark Fury effect that's on Sworn Swords and Eddard's Honor Guard. Now, I could definitely see um, that ability with uncontrollable rage being worth two points. Um, but Stark Fury uh, is just, it goes back to that kind of the problem that it was before um, just all the similar timings uh, and then dealing all that damage to yourself. So I could maybe see um, the next update just basically swapping, keeping them two points and then just swapping Stark Fury for Winter's Bite um, because it seems like they're going away from all this self-harming for the starks and just keeping the, the uh the theme that uh you get better as you lose ranks which i think was fine you know um you didn't need to also hurt yourself and you know your your opponent was already hurting you enough you know at least that was their goal i would hope um so you didn't need like self damaging in order to get your effects so it was already you know fine to have just your effects be progressively better as you lost ranks um so i don't know we'll have to see uh, if they keep it as stark fury or if they change it to winter's bite Uh, but i would say personally at as is with stark fury i can't see myself running this attachment but with winter's bite some of that potential in certain units could be really really good what do you think brett
1: Uh, I think it's actually interesting if he keeps the Stark Fury that gains Critical Blow and Thundering. Um, I know that you would be doubling down on the Critical Blows, but being able to give the Stark Sworn Swords Thundering is pretty solid. Wait. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs>
0: maybe
1: not. <laughs> I was going to say you could just I take mean, the lieutenant, well, the Stormcrow lieutenant.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. You could just do that. I, I think
1: yeah, is an easier way of going about that. So I'm kind of outthinking myself a little bit here. Um, I mean, it would be decent in Berserkers, right? It's thundering and critical blow on Berserkers isn't isn't really bad. Um,
0: yeah, but that uncontrollable <laughs> rage is almost never going to trigger, and you actually want that to well, fail. Well, I
1: just, I just don't really. That's an ability I just don't really rate. I mean, I don't even know that and I'm. And you know that I'm usually critical or anything like that. I just don't even know if that sh- ability should cost points. <laughs> like, yeah, need, well, I was thinking can the same use thing. Your advantage, but they can, they can. Your opponent can also use it to kind of bone you. You know. You can yep. put a unit that you want them to charge, like, uh, like fins, you know, it's kind of a, a taunt that <laughs> you don't have to pay for it. Like if you park fins with Dyer in front of a low wall or stakes or something, you want that unit to charge into you to trigger thin supremacy. Uh, you want that unit probably charging guardsmen. You know, there's, uh, there's instances where disability can be used against you, and so then you're you're basically you're they're they're giving Stark Fury as a point, and then they're giving you that ability and costing it a point. And I just it's again, I just think that whole package could come for one point, and it would be better, and it wouldn't be like overpowered or anything. I think their attachments are really all of them, all three of the attachments we've discussed. I think are overpriced a point.
0: I could definitely see that. Um, yeah, I agree that uncontrollable rage has an, uh, as many downsides as upsides, and that should kind of offset and just make it you know, essentially like a free ability um, because it can come down to as simply losing the dice roll for deployment um, because whatever, whenever you deploy this, if you have to deploy first and you have the same amount of drops as them, you, they can easily put whatever they need across from this unit to force it you know potentially force it to charge that thing um which you know could be like the exact opposite uh type of unit you want you know charging it um for example if you did put him in berserkers like you're kind of mentioning um you know granted they'll probably pass an uncontrolled rage but um you know berserkers one thing they don't want to charge is like low value target that has lots of like free hits like faithful with their uh the ruler faithful um which can like final strike you and uh and their uh faith token effect for hits or things with counter strike and uh because Berserkers don't hit that well initially, so you could definitely uh find. Plenty of ways to make uncontrolled rage work against you. So I I agree with that point, that I think all three of these attachments are overcosted. costed um, I understand, like you were saying, Brendan Tully uh, probably err on the side of caution for two points, but Rick and, uh, Rickard and uh, Mage definitely uh, one point too much. So a little disappointing, but uh, as I always say, you know... Uh, I have faith that CMON will uh, take all this into consideration. They'll wait till they have the data that they need, and uh, they'll change things that need to be changed. You know, they're they're not like super stubborn that they're just like, you know what? No, screw it. Let's uh, we're going to keep them at their point cost and leave it at that. So um, we'll see what they do with it. Um, you know maybe they already even have it in the works maybe they're like all right these cards are already printed but here's what we want to do with them with the next update um we don't want to like change it right now because the boxes haven't even come out yet but you know let's say uh what do we we got that uh update like a month and a half ago two months ago um so we could see another update in 4 months that are changing these guys uh and you know, by the box, by the time these boxes are, like, officially released, it may only be, like, three months for uh, a lot of people to see some changes on these. So who knows? Um, all right, before we jump over to – or, you know what, um, we do have a caller. I'm going to go through the NCUs real quick. Um, that way, in case they have uh, any uh, any thoughts about the NCUs, and or the attachments, uh, they can kind of weigh in on those. So with the NCUs, the first one we'll talk about is Leanna Mormont. I've been waiting her for a long time, just because of how BA she is in in the show. And uh, my wife, you know, was like, man, you know, now I kind of want to play a game with Starks now that she's in here. Um, She has, she is, uh, let me just make sure I'm, Right with the points here, she is four points. She has the influence uh, of when influencing a friendly unit, it gains the following based on the number of destroyed friendly combat units. Effects are cumulative. Uh, so right off the bat, with no destroyed units or more, because um, they are they do all stack. Uh, the unit she influences will get plus under morale test rolls. Decent right away. You know you can uh, a great synergy with some uh, Mormont. Uh, um, she bears. Given that morale, so you don't necessarily have to take Rickon uh, to help that war cry go off initially before the you know anything starts dying. Um, one or more destroyed units will also get that morale plus critical blow. Uh, two or more autom- automatically pass all panic tests. My opinion, best one on the list. Even better than the next one, which is three or more destroyed units may reroll any attack dice. Uh, this is this could be pretty nuts late game, four points for this, and you know you could ins- uh, it may incentivize you to run one or two dire wolves to kind of uh, trigger this uh, list faster, because you know let's say you throw this on a unit of uh, this uh, her heifer influence a unit of berserkers. Um, or sorry not berserkers uh, um, you know a, ba- a a great option I think would to ma- maximize some of this would actually be uh, possibly like uh, um, bloody mummer skirmishers because their kind of big weakness is that uh, that morale and if you're automatically passing all those tests you have let's say like seven dice hitting on threes with rerolls and critical blow um, you know, you could really be. Uh, you know, and there's so many different potential uh, combo potentials with uh, with this card. So, uh, what do you think, Brett?
1: Oh, for me, she. I don't like using the term auto
0: include. I, I don't really
1: believe in it, but she is a very, <laughs> very, 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 very strong choice. I, I completely agree with you, even when she starts with with no destroyed units. She's strong. Uh, the plus one to morale test from an NCU kind of makes me miss my old high sparrow, you know, um, definitely has strong synergy. Uh, you can stack it with Rick and an OSHA in a unit to get plus two. So suddenly you've got she bears, you know, that are doing war cry on a four plus. Uh, I like her influencing grade axes. Grade axes are already tankier than some people think, you know, a four plus defense. Five-plus morale with unyielding is very, very strong. Obviously, they've got offensive potential. Uh, Once you get to two tokens... Excuse me. If you're running Great Axes with a Sworn Sword Captain, you could be throwing, you know, seven attack dice, making them vulnerable. Getting re re rolls and critical blows with Thundering is pretty strong. Uh, I quite like it. Um, It's something I would want to tinker around with, but you can really... I don't think anywhere that you put her is bad, and then, as you mentioned uh the third the, the or the second destroyed unit being by far the best, just auto pass on all panic tests that is so so good because this meta still kind of revolves around panic. If you've got a stark unit that can go throw out all of these attacks um, and it's automatically passing panic tests. It's a very, very good counter into free folk who still rely on shit panic damage to get their work done and this kind of just shoots them in the foot which makes me happy
0: yep and uh... one thing i wanted to point out is just to make sure you don't mix up the terminology it the the uh... beginner effect of plus one of morale test and the on amazing one of automatically pass all panic tests they are different so uh, at automatically passing all panic tests is just um, panic tests are a morale test, but morale tests aren't panic tests, if that makes sense. So uh, you're not going to automatically pass your war cries because war cry is not a panic test. So there is a little overlap between those two abilities, but not completely. So that is important to note. Um, <clears throat> and then the other thing I wanted to mention was uh, keep in mind uh, she ties really well in with uh, the North Remembers. Because remember, the North Remembers attaches to a unit and will only start affecting your unit once something is dead. But when it does, you're going to get uh, highest attack die value at all times. And then if you have the sword, you auto-count as a 6-1 charging. But highest attack die combined with all of these effects, potentially... Uh, maybe not all of them at you know obviously right away, but um if you're at three or more destroyed units and you you were able to make sure that the unit you put the north remembers on is living to three other units being dead, then uh you know you're getting highest attack die with brew rolls and critical blow um you know, like uh, Brett was saying with great axes you're gonna have i believe seven dice um let's say you're at last rank you're gonna have. Uh, seven dice, uh, hitting on threes, with re-rolls, and critical blow, ignoring uh, minus three to their armor save because of the way the great axes work. Um, is going to be insane of a combo. Um, uh, with that said, we'll jump over to Eddard Stark. He is a uh, six-point NCU. Um, important thing to note is Lyanna does specifically call out friendly uh, destroyed friendly combat units. The reason I mention that is because with Eddard Stark here, he's, he has Price of Honor. At the start of any turn, you may destroy Eddard. If you do target one enemy NCU, that NCU cannot activate and loses all abilities until the end of the round. Um, and the reason that's important is you can't run Eddard with Lyanna, kill Eddard hoping to trigger... The, uh, another count on Liana's uh, scoreboard um, which I think is fair um, you know it's her ability is already that great that running editor to be able to do that would be uh, really good anyways um, he also has an influence ability which is when influencing unit each time this unit is targeted by an NCU ability or tactic zone you may cancel the effect of that NCU or zone um, I'm kind of indifferent about him. I think he is fair at six points, but then again, um, he is not going to be easy to use. Um, uh, I'll let you start this one off, Brett. How do you how do you feel about Edert here?
1: I think he's great. Um, he's not auto include by any means, but he's a tech piece that you bring to in particular you're bringing him to shut down Night's Watch. Um, They can't be targeted by the zone or an NCU ability, so whatever unit you would influence him is from any Amon healing and any Bag healing. So... The only way that unit's healing is if they're bringing conscripts or if they've got, like, rally cry or something in the army or take the black, I guess. But the big thing is with Night's Watch, a lot of times when you're trying to get over the hump of getting rid of their unit, you knock them down to, like, five or six wounds. You open up with an attack on the swords. You think you're going to get them. You don't get them. And then Amon goes to the bags, and they spring back up six. You know, so they were at five or six. You knock them down to two. Amon brings them back up to eight, then you definitely don't get them with the next attack. And then it's like the whole process over and over again. Can you get enough in there to finish them off? When you pop Eddard down onto the swords and attack them, you've effectively cut off their lifeline at that point. It's really, really good counter in particular to that, which you think of things that are really strong in the meta, and being able to, to topple a top dog like that is huge. But additionally... If you're playing against Joys, they're also a strong meta army that has a lot of healing that makes them very difficult. You're, they're not going to be able to put Blind Baron on that unit. And additionally, since they can't be targeted by NCU abilities, they're cut off from Windermere healing as well. That's huge for for cutting off the head of Greyjoy. So there's two that, the never die? Well, they can be targeted
0: by that because it's a card, right? He blocks... Well, it says... Oh yeah, it's a zone or uh NCU, sorry. So I was thinking Yeah, hey, no, he's that, not, I made mean, this not, mistake yesterday too. So not tactics yeah. car tactics zone.
1: Yeah, if he could stop tactics cards, he would be crazy <laughs> good. To stick. He might push into the realm of like I mean he would be super embarrassed and sell me at that point, right? Because he doesn't even come off. He's already Oh yeah he's already kind of like super Barristan in the sense that, you know, Barristan can block a Windermere token, but then Barristan's gone Edard blocked Windermere tokens. I mean, they just, won't, they just can't even target them with it. Um, so that said, there's two pretty strong meta armies, pretty strong, uh, list builds and ideologies that make those armies very strong. And he just cuts the head right off of them. Um, trying to think if there's anything else. Like, if you're playing against Drogo, a lot of the issue is that Assault Orders can target Drogo for a free charge. So you can place Eddard on Drogo. No Assault Orders for Drogo. No Illyrio Heal for Drogo. um, No Bag Heal for Drogo. I mean, so there's three. I mean, the Drogo build, we all know, It, it lives and dies by Drogo. If you get rid of Drogo, you can beat it. If you can place Eddard and block the Illyrio healing, block Tycho healing, block Assault Orders, you've got a pretty good chance to pop to pop Drogo, and I'm sure I could keep going. I, I can't think of, like with Free Folk, they don't really, like you could block Lady Ball, but that's not going to be game-breaking, because normally they've got enough units that they can, you know, make something else work, so it's not really working against them. You you wouldn't special build for for them, but um us see nightwatch Targaryen,
0: you can uh boys early, early game you can uh uh let's say you're going first you just you take Eddard on the the letter get your cards and uh let's say weaken their lance cav and then you put Eddard right. on that lance cav Correct. because now they can't yep. take the bags to take the token off early game
1: Right, and they can't Catlin to take the token off either. So, yeah, that's pretty strong, too, um, against Land's Cav. I'm sitting here thinking, with the, so with Baratheon's, it's kind of niche, but you, could, you can put him on your own unit to block Melisandra, but specifically you could put it on the unit that you know they're using as a Melisandra battery, like the unit that has Stannis, the one true king, since he has um, Iron Resolve and Dauntless, I think, is what he's got. They're trying to do the Mel bomb on him so that he just heals one of the wounds back. So you can cut that off. Um, and then on the on the Renly side, if you put Eddard down, you can block a unit from healing from the Penrose token. So then you can kind of like, it's if it's like, hey, I've almost got these champions of the stack dead. I want to claim the swords, but they're going to Penrose me off of the swords and I don't want to heal these champions of the stack back. If you've got Eddard on them, they can't heal.
0: Yep. Yeah, so I I changed my tune a little bit. I agree with you completely that uh, I'll probably be running him quite a bit um, uh, just for his influence. You know, the price of honor is just like Half Halfhand in the sense that it's just a bonus. Granted, uh, Half Hands, in my opinion, is a little better um, but in that in that one particular case, the, the just the killing yourself for an effect, but I think uh, Eddard's influence effect is probably way more useful than Corrin's. Um, but yeah, at six points, he is a little hefty, but I think uh, he's going to be uh, one of those NCUs that uh, you know, Starks haven't had a lot of this trickery type of play, so if you're like solely a Stark player, you're going to I think you're going to have to run him a handful of times to really find the ins and outs of of the way he operates. Um, you know, you can, I think uh, him in like a Holland build could be pretty cool because Holland has a lot of like ranged and, you know, trickery stuff that, uh, you know, he could fit probably you know, he's gonna fit right in no matter what list you kinda of put him in, but I think uh I think like a Holland commander with uh Eddard Stark would be pretty cool. All right. Um going on to Rob Stark NCU, uh King in the North. Uh he is five points and he does have the um restriction that you can't include him if you have Edward Stark in your list. Uh that's any form of Edward Stark. Uh so Edward Stark commander or either of Eddard Stark's uh, NCUs. Um, His ability is Wolf's Cunning. After deployment, target one friendly combat unit, uh, remove it from the battlefield, placing it off the table in reserve. Once per game, when Rob claims the uh, maneuver zone, you may replace that zone's effect with deploy the, uh, the unit Rob placed in reserve fully in short range of any flank table edge, and attach this card to them until the end of the game while attached, enemies that unit successfully charges in the flank or rear become panicked and vulnerable. Uh, Five points, I don't know. Um, I think uh, we were just talking about it. Outflank is already a very iffy ability. Um, So I think maybe if this was... uh, If whenever Rob claims any zone, because that's kind of the big crux of uh, of the ability, is if you go, um, if you lose that dice roll and your opponent can pick to go second, uh, you know you might not be seeing your unit until round three. Um, So I'm I definitely want to try him out, see if it's uh, how it's going to do. But because you attach uh, Rob. Uh, Rob's card to the end of the game. Yes, they get this permanent buff, but that means that is what Rob is doing and charging in the flank or rear uh, Probably definitely going to get it at least once But then you ask yourself how much mileage is this card going to get you could get you a lot could only get you that one initial charge um, After deployment is nice to be able to pick any unit um, Granted, it is still technically telegraphed. Obviously, if you're running Rob Star King in the North, if you don't do this ability to remove something from the table uh, and then place it in reserve, um, you basically spent five points on an NCU that is going to do nothing but take the tactic zone. So I'm not quite sure about him. Uh, I definitely do think he's obviously better than just your regular outflank by far because you're able to actually use that combat unit as a drop whereas outflank you can't. Uh, So let's say you have five combat units and you outflank one, you technically only have four drops, whereas Rob Stark will allow you to still drop that fifth unit uh, for the purposes of deployment. Um, What's your thoughts, Brett?
1: Uh, My biggest issue with him, maybe it was a design choice to kind of keep it in check. Uh, My biggest issue with it is If you play Targ, you can only outflank off of the horse. Rob can only do it once per game. So if you outflank against Targaryen, they play field control, you've lost the unit. Yep. The unit's gone. That's that's bad. (laughs) So I think (laughs) the, the problem that I have with it is against that one particular list. If you're playing any Targaryen that's not Bellweth Commander, I think is the only one that removes field control. You just you can't even take that risk because you use Robs once per game effect, then they make you replace it with field control. That unit's gone. There's no way to bring them back on. It's, yep, that's I, a great it's, point. I, I'm I'm sure that it was I, it has to be a design choice, right? Because they have to know about this. They have to know how, how field control works. So they had to have made that choice and said, well, you know, there's there's an ace for it, you know. There's an ace, and that's Targaryens, you know. Um, you just don't use this ability against Targaryens, or you take the risk, and it's a huge gamble. But they're not, like, blissfully unaware. So this was a design choice. I'm sure that it was done because, as you mentioned, it's a very powerful ability because you get to deploy your whole army the way you want. Your opponent reacts to your deployment, and then you have the freedom to say, oh, well, you know, hey, I like I like how weak this flank is over here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to outflank these Bastard's Girls. And you don't have cavalry on that side of the field, so you're either going to spend your time wasting an activation to turn around or I'm putting Bastard's Girls behind you. Or it's Tully Cab or it's Slade Men. It's any unit, whatever you want to put back there if you, you've you got the freedom to look at their entire deployment and say, this is the side that I'm going on.
0: Heck, so even, uh, um, even outflanking some, uh, Stark Bowman, uh, just way in the back, yeah. like yep. so far back that like, they're going to have to detour a whole unit away from all the objectives to go get them. Um, Yep, so I definitely see... There's there's so many cool things you can do with Rob. Don't get me wrong, and I'm definitely going to try them and try a bunch of cool things. But, yes, definitely, as you were saying, with field control. My problem is... I've always had a problem with field control. Such a cool card, but I don't like the interaction with basically, you know, stuff like this. When I use a card to replace a zone, and then you use a card and say, okay, no, it's actually this, and you lose your effect or card think they need to add like a clause in there with field control where it's like, okay, if you if you try to change the zone, my card trumps yours, but it like goes back to your hand or your effect just doesn't take effect. It, you know, and you still can do it later. Um, some may think that that makes field control not very good. I still think that trumps their plan. Uh, it gives you a weakened token. It uh, They're only shifting a, a whopping three inches. Uh, and can't even, like, you know, pivot or anything. So I still think field control would be a very strong card. Um, But my problem with it is basically times like this, where you have a tactics card that's replacing a zone or an effect that's especially once per game that is now gone. Um, And I think, uh, let's say they change field control to be what I'm mentioning, then you wouldn't have as big of a problem with Rob. Stark, uh, King of the North. Here is that you would delay it a turn, but still have another try to do it next turn. Um, or I would even say change it to be where um, Rob Stark's is uh, once per game. If you control the maneuver zone, uh, you may replace. You know, you may replace any zone with uh, Rob Stark, uh, when, when Rob Stark takes a zone, if you control the maneuver, you can replace it. Meaning you can run, if you really want to make sure that it triggers, you can run Littlefinger. Count as controlling that zone for the round. Take Rob Stark on any, um, zone, replace it. But I don't know, that's just kind of, uh, throwing ideas out there, uh, for the slight, uh, problem that might come up. But I don't know, we'll see. Um, With that said, I'm going to bring on our caller, see kind of uh, his thoughts with uh, the NCUs and attachments here. Uh, Thank you so much uh, for coming on. So what what are your thoughts on what we've covered so far? Hello, can you hear me? Yep.
2: Go ahead and clear. Uh,
3: Well, uh, first of all, uh, thank you. And uh, I really like you, show, guys, as uh, always helping me, especially trying – this is my first – miniature game so it's always helped me to understand it better and not freak out as much. Especially as being a Stark player I always like think they when they do change to the Starks I, I take it personal for <laughs> say like that. <laughs> but uh these new uh NCUs uh to me especially Liana and Edar they're like amazing. Uh Edar is a negation uh I understand why six points. I don't know if I'm willing to pay six points, but I will also try because my meta is very, uh, in here in in the store where I uh, go and play, is very uh, nice watch oriented. So we have our champion that's pretty much nice watch, and it's very hard for me to play against with a nice watch. But six points, I don't know. Like I said, I had to test it to see if it is worth those six points. I understand it. I don't like it. The same way the LR start, uh, the other NCU is six points. I was not pleasant to see that, but okay. Sure. Uh, Liana, it's amazing. I really like it. You can pop any unit, uh, pass any morale test. That's, that's amazing. Rob, oh, my God. <laughs> I wish I can say something good about Roth. <laughs> either either the King of the North or uh, the John Wolf since the new update is... I, I tried to put it in the table a couple of times, and I just don't like the way he plays now, like, at all. That's just personal. I'm very sure there's somebody there, like, a that really likes the way they did to him, but, like, I don't see what they're trying to do with him. That's just personal, as, uh, like, like, as I say. Uh, what else? Uh, the attachments. Uh, yeah, uh, Mormon. I always wish better for her because I really like the uh, character in general. Uh, yeah, I don't same know. She's here. missing always something. Like I feel like she's always she just like it's a little notch. It doesn't take much. It's just a little notch. I don't know if it's about point, uh, reward, some kinda of ability. But she's lo like, just need like something small. I don't know about you guys. what you think about her.
0: Yeah, I would say especially if you compare her to uh, a stagnite, uh um Am I saying it right? A Stagnite Noble, the two-point attachment. Um, You know, they... Let me uh, pull it up just for the sake of it. Um, Stagnite Noble... uh, Is two points... Yeah, Stagnite Noble. uh, Two points, which gives you go-down fighting, iron resolve, stubborn tenacity, isn't a character... So you can run multiples of it if you really wanted to um, and then you have mage at the same cost which also has go down fighting but paying essentially equal unyielding for the same as iron resolve and stubborn tenacity which is funny because iron resolve is in my opinion better than unyielding because iron resolve is all the time whereas unyielding is only after you've taken ranks uh, uh, and damage so, and both of which, uh, so the, and they're both limited to panic tests. So basically, the if you compare them straight across, the Stagnite Noble is not even generic, or is a generic attachment, which basically has a better unyielding and then additionally stubborn tenacity. So, see, so yeah, I think uh, Mage definitely needs,
2: see,
3: if it, needs a change. If if it, that was her, I'd be amazed. Like, okay, I understand. Like, the veratians can have so many attachments. We have one, but we have a good one. A good good one. Yep. And as a surf player, I don't for much. A lot of stuff. The extra activation, the extra free stuff. I get it. When I play with some of my friends, some of the combos, when you charge and in, in one charge you can kill one unit, it's no fun. But yep. the two too much to the point that I don't see the style of the Starks anymore. I don't know if you, you understand that.
0: I think it's helped a little bit since the update, like changing uh, a couple of those tactics cards and then uh, w- Stark Fury to Winter's Bite. Uh, I feel like right. a little bit of fresh air has been pushed back into Starks. Like I've been super excited to play them, but prior to that update, yeah, I was feeling a little down about Starks. Um, I f- it always felt clunky because of those interactions. So I definitely have high hopes at the moment. But yeah, some of these uh, attachments are not all that great and probably won't see a lot of play, but we'll have to see.
3: And especially when they, like, their characters from the book, they're, they're meaningful, they're there, they're supposed to be a stand-up, even if it's just only in that specific uh, faction. I understand that in other factions have a multiple ways to get an XYZ ability, but uh, I don't know. I feel like it just it sucks me a little bit of love That's the only thing I ask. Just a little bit of love
0: Yep. Yeah, and even for like Rickard Stark, it would be really cool. You know, the uncontrolled rage makes sense, like thematically. I think you know his, his children were killed, and he wants to like kill you back. And, you know, the Stark Fury, I get it. A lot of this stuff makes sense, like, thematically. But two points um, is a little much. I think one point, and he'd be right there where he needs to be. Again, Brendan right. Tully, as Brett was saying, I think putting him down to one point just because how iffy Elflank can be. And then Mage Wormont, personally, we, we'd already mentioned it. Putting her down to one point, I don't necessarily think think uh, fix fixes her she might be worth one point but when you compare it to all the other one pointers I still don't think she's going to see much play um, so let's see in my opinion that's how I would put it I would say Brennan Tully one point Rickard starred one, one point and Mage Mormont just kind of rework her a bit to either keep her at two points and just make her worth two points or drop her down to one and rework her a little bit but uh, we'll have to see
3: um, I think that like right. I really hope they, like the starts in a transition right now. I hope the uh, um, the next updates they do uh, in the cars or stuff like that. Uh, they give them a little bit like that little edge to not be behind. Just because, uh, to me, even with the new, uh, and don't take me wrong. These car starts, mm, I love them, especially the uh, uh, the ones with the spear. I forgot. The
0: Carstark, um, uh, uh, they just Carstark spearmen, I forget what they're called. Yeah, those. Um, yes.
3: They can hold even the veterans of the watch. Amazing for three turns. It was amazing. Those I love them. Uh, I love uh, some of the Carstark. Uh, uh, the commander. Uh, I can see. I can see potential. But like I said, like each one of these commanders and the attachments need work. The commanders need a little bit of love. Maybe no Brandon Tally because I can see, I can, I need to put in a table to see if the cars, they actually pay off to play it. Yeah. But I can see like, it's just like, I feel like the start is like right on the H to be, I don't want to be winning all the time. But I want to be like that fifty-fifty. <laughs> I want that 50-50. That's more chance.
0: You know, it's just a hard-fought game, you know.
3: I gotcha. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that, those are always the that best. Is the, that word specifically.
0: Like, a hard-fought game where, like, it's close, one, two points, right down to the end, you know, fifth round, sixth hey. round, depending on, you know, how things fell. And, you know, you know, both players walk away, you know, super happy with the game. I mean, that's always, like, the absolute mm-hmm. best result. Cause, I've had plenty of games where it's, like, over by round three, and I feel horrible even if I'm winning. If I'm winning or losing, it's just like, man, I feel bad for them. You know, we spent all this time getting ready uh, for the game, even if I am winning. You know, I like to extend, you know, if they just want to, like, call it and start a new one, Um, you know, just because, you know, not many people are, are like that, that they just like absolutely crushing uh, their opponent, you know, with the exception of Brett. Brett absolutely loves doing that. Uh, he loves crushing everyone's hopes and dreams and calling them I names. I he
3: loves and, the, uh, uh, the Free Folk.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, Brett's, um, you know, no one really knows this, but Brett uh, owns an, a completely painted Free Folk army that he plays exclusively in person. Um And wow. he is... Yeah, he's secretly the the top uh, free frog player, and advocates for all their changes. And um, you know, he likes to complain that they're too strong, but uh, you know, it's really just because uh, he's the one piloting them. <laughs> um, I'm gonna, um, uh, I'll, we're gonna cover the rest of the stuff, and then if you're still on, I'll have you jump back on for the. Uh, for talking about the commanders, I appreciate you all coming right, thank on. You. Yeah. No,
3: thank you, guys. I appreciate.
0: It. Um, all right, so uh, to re- uh, kind of wind it down here, we're going to be talking about Brendan Tully, outrider commander. We also have Mage Mormont and Rickard Stark. Uh, so we'll start with uh, Brendan Tully, outrider commander, because he is already a current uh, commander that you can choose from. Um, you know, we've already kind of discussed him, but we'll just kind of run through him real quick and give our uh, current updated thoughts. He has the order Sentinel. After another friendly unit in long range is attacked, this unit performs one charge or maneuver action. If charging, it must target the attacker. Uh, an exclusive escape. Uh, this unit may reroll any retreat distance dice. Enemies this unit disengage from may not pivot and become weakened. His first... Uh, uh, card is Marshal, uh, which is when an unengaged friendly cavalry unit activates once this turn. If it, if that unit would perform a maneuver action instead of performing that action, it may restore three wounds or res- remove one condition token. And it also says Ride by Attack when a friendly cavalry unit selects an action during its activation before resolving that action. As its action, that unit may perform one march action. Even if engaged, it may move through enemies during this march. Enemies it disengages from may not pivot. After completing this march, one enemy it moved through suffers one wound plus one wound for each of that enemy's remaining ranks. Then he has ride them down. When an enemy ends a maneuver, march, or retreat action, target one friendly cavalry unit in long range. that can charge that enemy. It performs one charge action on that enemy. If it is successful, charge uh su- if it successfully charges that enemy instead of performing a melee attack, that enemy becomes panicked and suffers two hits for each remaining rank in this unit. So, we've uh we were talking about um uh Benjamin uh, Stark, uh the cavalry commander. Yes, uh, in the Lannister episode at the very beginning. And, you know, that was kind of my one thing with him was that, you know, he has Ride by Attack and Marshal. Um, both great cards, uh, don't get me wrong. But I feel like too many cavalry commanders have those. It takes away a lot of the uniqueness of each commander. Um, granted, Ride Them Down, super awesome card. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't seem to be as useful as it, um as I would like it to be, but like one of my favorite things to do with it is charge uh, my opponent and then use it when they attempt to retreat from me. I may not get a charge on them, we wasted their activation to retreat so that I could just re-engage them, make them panicked and suffer uh, um, potentially four hits, uh, especially if they're almost dead. Um, you know, Combined with Ride by Attack, What you can do is uh, ride by, get into their flank or sorry, their rear or something, and then charge them in the rear, basically almost kill them. To where if they try to retreat, you can ride them down and potentially kill them, um, because uh, you know if they if they only have let's say like three wounds left, that those four hits from ride them down uh, can potentially kill them right there. And remember that. if you can vulnerable them, not that I don't think Brendan has any way himself to vulnerable them, uh, you can make them re-roll those hits. It was a vulnerable token. Um, Sentinel is always a very good ability. Elusive, Elusive Escape, um, again, another very good ability. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely can be uh, be one of those abilities that uh you know they could keep charging you you could just keep using a retreat action especially if you put him in outriders um to get that free retreat after being attacked now they're weakened they can't pivot you haven't activated um you know tons of cool things you can kind of do with brendan tully um brett what uh what are your thoughts
1: Well, as, as you know, uh, Hurley and I ran him I uh, at a team event, so we played against you and Spencer. So for me, the, the coolest thing about the Tully package is actually the, uh, the elusive escape. So you can get into a situation where, uh, you know, if you're running like Peter Baelish or something, you don't even have to be running Pete. But uh, basically, you can put the Tully Cab in a position to where your opponent doesn't want to get charged. Best thing that they can do is charge into you um, to prevent them from being charged by the Tully Cab. And then you play elusive escape. You put a weakened on them. They can't pivot, so you retreat either out of their line of sight or, um, you know, in a spot where they, uh, they can't charge you with another unit. And you'll easily get into their flank. And then you can just wait and do it whenever you need to in the round. It kind of gives you the convenience because if you set it up right, their opening action for the round is to charge you if you don't charge them, and then they're kind of just stuck there, you can go do whatever you want on the board and then come back to Tully and then charge them, you know, way later in the round. It's really, really strong. And in a lot of cases, they don't really have much choice but to charge you, again, like I said, if not, you'll just charge them. So it's pretty strong. The elusive escape is kind of the winner for me. Uh, we used that, obviously, against you guys, and you chased us down with a unit for basically the entire game, and we always just stayed um, out of your ability to do anything but charge us with that opening attack, opening action, and you were weakened from the previous round, and then we just <laughs> kept doing it over and over and <laughs> over again. So, yep. I think I think it's strong. Um and you know, granted you had the Relor faithful so we didn't really wanna engage you, but just the fear of us being able to charge you kind of kept you honest. And so I think I think it's really good. Um it's a pretty cool combo. It's a way to get your Tully Cat involved. And then of course, Sentinel we all know is a very strong ability and having it. Available to a cavalry unit, particularly something as nasty as Tully Cab, potentially, um, is really, really good. So I like Tully. I think, I think I'm with you. Ride them down, and and um, ride by are they're not duds per se, but they're just not. Like I play Targaryens a little bit too. Ride by for me is a winner in Targaryen's because of Jorah. But it doesn't work for Starks because you can't ride by with a wolf. And so then it's hard to get it with five-inch maneuver. So then you're playing it on Outriders. And, like, it could be okay. I could see an all-mounted Tully lift being pretty strong. But, like, I don't know. I Again, uh, I just – ride by for me is abused with Jorah. I wish that you know there was a way to get that kind of output from the start
0: side. Oh, you can! Can you can? Uh, I I did it. It was the coolest thing ever. You uh, you, Brendan Tully, and ride by through a unit without riders. Get to their uh, rear, and now you have Sentinel. They can't attack any of your other units in long without you rear-charging.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Um, And I've uh, successfully been able to do that uh, twice out of, like, three games with uh, Brennan Tully, Outrider Commander. It's not, like, some game-changing thing, but it's, you know, I agree. Normally, ride by attack, you have to have something to really round out the ability I think sentinel is that thing for Brennan Tully if you're not going to try that combo with ride by attack I, I completely agree with you it's not for uber scary thing but Brennan Tully in outriders means you have ambush meaning you're going to be able to sentinel into their rear uh, with what is it seven dice hitting on fours Uh, re-rolls they're panicked and weakened and it was free on top of the rank that they took from ride by attack and uh, now that they're weakened you have elusive escape if they try to do other stuff with a free uh, swift retreat Um, you know plenty of cool stuff to do Um, you could even potentially ride by attack over them and then if they attempt to turn around with let's say even a free maneuver and you have ride them down. You can engage them to prevent that charge, uh, you know, if need be. And then when they activate to attack you with a um, with their activation because they took the free maneuver or whatnot, uh, you then have the swift retreat and the elusive escape. A lot of cool little things you could do, but I think they're all mostly exclusive to Brendan Tully. So, like, his cards can be used for any cavalry unit, pretty much, but um, because of his Sentinel and the Elusive Escape and the Outrider's abilities, they're almost all, in my opinion, exclusively the best used on him, which kind of limits his potential. So, But, uh, yeah, I would say anyone who hasn't tried him out, definitely give him a try. Uh, he's a lot of fun. Not the most competitive uh, commander out there, but still competitive. Alright, going on to Commander. He has Affiliation House Karstark. This unit is a House Karstark unit. Superior numbers. This unit's melee attacks may reroll any attack dice when attacking enemies with fewer remaining ranks. Um, and he has Fueled by Slaughter. After a unit completes a melee attack... If the defender suffered wounds, you restore one wound plus one additional wound for each of the defender's destroyed ranks. Amazing ability. Um, you know, Before I get to his cards, just keep in mind, if you kill a unit with him, uh, that's four wounds you heal. You get one initially for doing a wound, and then they'll have three destroyed ranks at that point, and you will heal three more. Um, so... Uh, if
1: they're if they're infantry, but yeah.
0: Infantry, yes.
1: We we know what you're um, to say, But cavalry you'd heal free, but
0: so I mean there is some uh very little uh but some uh debate, some people have brought it up in person, not online, um the fact that uh you know, it's after the attack is completed uh and it's searching for a defender that's no longer there. There are no uh, ranks left on the Defender because there is no Defender. Uh, that one's a little iffy. Um, so just keep that in mind. You might encounter that if uh, if you destroy a unit and then you're like, I heal four, and they're like, well, no, you can't. Uh, just keep that in mind. Um, uh, superior numbers. I mean, Starks aren't... Uh, uh, you know, I'll go with the t- uh, Taxi Cards first. But he has... Uh, Uh, A name for vengeance, start of of any round. Target one friendly combat unit. This unit performs one attack action. If this target's a house Karstark unit, it gains plus one to hit. After completing that attack, your opponent may activate one NCU. Karstark retribution. When an enemy unit is performing an attack before rolling attack dice, if this attack targeted a house Karstark unit, Attach this card to that enemy until the end of the game. Otherwise, attach this card to that enemy until the end of the round. While attached, each time this unit completes an attack, they become vulnerable. Each time a rank in this unit is destroyed, one unit engaged with it restores two wounds. Um, and then he also has taunt. Uh, when an enemy combat unit activates, target one friendly unit in short range. If that enemy can charge this unit, or can charge that unit. It performs one morale test with minus one to their roll for each remaining rank in that unit. On a failure, it performs one charge action on that unit. This is their action for the turn. If this targeted a house Karstark unit, that enemy also becomes weakened on a failure. Um, Overall, not too impressed. Um, I know uh, um, our caller was mentioning uh, Karstark Spearman. Personally, that is the unit I hate the most in the entire game, uh, easily. And that's only because their ability, you're paying a lot of points for that extra armor. If your opponent outactivates activates you, uh, and I can say this from personally playing against them probably six times now, never once, never once have they gotten their armor because I just literally outweight them and they don't hit hard enough for me to even worry about them hitting me before I hit them. So I just literally wait until they are forced to make any action. Not even activate. They can't even take the uh, tactics board to retreat or uh, attack me. Nothing. So that unit, not too impressed with. And the Carstark Loyalists, I think that's what they're called, in my opinion, are just a worse version of um, Stark Sworn Swords. Um, you have the precision over critical blow, so there is a, a slight difference in roll, but more often than not, that critical blow and what the sworn swords offer is much better. Um, so, with that said, these extra abilities for things being Karstark really only going to take effect with whatever unit Rickard Stark goes in, because he'll make that unit Karstark. Um, taunt oh. as a card. What was that? What did you, would you oh, say, Brett?
1: I'm, I'm sorry, I unmuted. I'm getting ready to go get uh,
0: so <laughs> I was. Telling, I was telling Charles. Oh, you're good. So, taunt uh, as a card, really good, especially with that ad- added effect of if it's a car start unit, they become weakened. Um, I I know a lot of people are like oh taunt as a card. That's stupid. I would say if it didn't have that weakened um, part for being Karstark, and again, probably only if you're running Rickard Stark um, in his unit in some way to really uh, push through uh, the advantage of that. Um, I wouldn't say it's some amazing, ridiculously good card, but I think with that added effect taunt as a surprise, you know, they might obviously know that you have it um somewhere in your deck but never they can't just plan the whole game being like well I have to avoid taunt at all costs. Um so you'll be able to surprise them with a taunt at the right opportunity to really make it worth being a card. Whereas let's say war cry as a card I think is uh I wouldn't say horrible, but it's definitely like you, you go, man, I could just run a unit or attachment that gives me war cry, you know. A card as War Cry isn't like a big deal. Taunt, or let's say set for charge, can be very, very useful. Um, a need for vengeance. Again, this card, plus one to hit on either the Loyalist or the Spearman. I don't know if that's even worth it to let your opponent then be able to activate an NCU. So really, this card, again, is only going on Rickard Stark, um, in my opinion, on whatever unit you put him in. And then lastly, the... Um car stark retribution um, you know continuously vulnerbling your opponent every time uh, they complete an attack is really cool um granted it's reactive or i don't know if reactive is the right word it's based on your opponent making a certain decision um which could be a strength you know it could be like man do I want to attack I become vulnerable uh but I'd rather be more of a proactive uh Ability to where I have a say and when they're going to become vulnerable Then again them becoming vulnerable after attacking you means that potentially when you go to attack them They'll have the vulnerable already on them um, So there's some ups and downs to that and then the added effect of uh, um, Healing makes this card uh, Potentially really good, but you're gonna really want to attach this card um, uh, when uh, House Carstark is attacked. But that's why what you could do is uh, Rickard Stark and something taunt your opponent into you, and then because they're attacking his unit, weakened, you can Karstark Retribution to attach to the end of the onto Rickard. Uh, from that uh, weakened charge, they become vulnerable, and you're healing that too. You attack with Fuel by Slaughter, um, making you... Uh, probably heal back to full um potentially you know i could definitely see him in like great axes would be a really cool uh um thing to put him in granted great axes want to in my opinion hover around that two uh, you know second rank to get that minus two to uh armor you often don't need minus three, but it is kind of cool when you have it. But, uh, you know, getting, like, a North Remembers or something on there, like Catlin, to let you attack at max dice, but also be at two ranks. Um, granted, then again, Superior Numbers kind of goes right against that, unless, like, you can be at two ranks and kill your opponent. So, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe Great Axes aren't the best spot for them. but uh, with that said, I'll uh, leave it over, or I'll... Uh, get your opinion, Brett. What uh, What are your thoughts of Rickard here?
1: While I'm driving, I'm driving a very loud car, so it's going to be even worse than normal. <laughs> um, I think I just I just don't see him really taking the place of any of the other star commanders that are already good. Um, I don't hate him. I I actually like the, I think it's a Need for Vengeance. It's a pretty cool card. Um, I think it's got some pretty cool play. I like Rickard and Bastard Girls. I think it seems to be a pretty nice home for him. Um, as you mentioned, I don't personally love the Stark Spearman, but I do know couple of people that I talk to that are running them and they're really really enjoying them so um, you know I you know, one person's not good is another person's favorite unit you know um, so it's, it's hard for me to know how they're using them because um, I haven't watched them play but it's just it's, I don't know he's, he's okay I just for me it's They've got Rob, Edard, Howland, and Great John Humber, who are so strong, in my opinion. And I don't think he measures up to those four. And then even after them, you've got kind of like on your bench, right? Uh, you've got Roderick and Tully Commander, Tully Foot Commander, or the Mounted Commander, who are both, who are all three relatively decent. And then even still, you've got Ramsey, Ruse and Vargo, who are all good in this current meta. And I think Dario actually works for Stark. So it's kind of like they've got a pretty deep stable of good commanders that are worth giving a shake. And maybe maybe Rickard has something that I'm missing. Maybe you're missing it as well. Maybe someone will prove that he's strong. It happened with Vargo. Uh, Vargo wasn't overwhelmingly popular. And now all of a sudden in this version of the game, people are running Vargo not just in neutrals but like bob is, is is running a vargo Nightwatch list that's pretty dominant and it's like well you know maybe we were wrong about vargo so maybe maybe we're wrong about him i would encourage all of our listeners to give it a try and if you land on some synergies and some cool combos that work just drop us a line let us know uh build a list share the list maybe we can get you a feature on the show or something to explain to us what we're missing so take it as a challenge
0: Yep. Yeah. Anyone that's on our discord, definitely, uh, you know, post it in the discord. Uh, I know some people already do, um, they kind of, they've thrown out a correction or two for, uh, you know, pretty much every episode will usually get something slightly wrong or maybe miss like a combo. So if you're on our discord or if you're, even if you're not, if any of our posts or you can go to our Facebook page and post it on there for comments on one of our uh, things there, um, you know, Uh, like I kind of mentioned at the start of the show, this is just kind of our initial thoughts. It's hard to kind of catch every last little thing uh, just from, you know, kind of looking at the cards, you know, there's so many cool things you can do with this game. Uh, So many units, so many attachments, NCUs, interactions, you know, different factions that it's hard to catch everything at first glance. Um, So definitely, uh, you know, give us a heads up uh, of what, uh, of what we've missed. So, Lastly, we'll jump over to Mage Mormont, Lady of Bear Island. She gives the affiliation, House Mormont, to the unit she's in. She has Battle Scars. A great ability. I am curious why it's the only one she has. Um, I don't know. I mean, granted, you know, you get potentially multiple abilities from Battle Scars, but I don't know. Uh, we'll have to kind of see how that plays out. She has... Uh, sustained Assault, when a friendly unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, the unit began the turn engaged the def- uh, with the defender, it rolls its highest attack die value. Uh, if the defender has more remaining ranks than the attacker, the defender becomes vulnerable. Uh, I believe that is the exact wording of the one from uh, uh, Baratheon's. I know some other sustained assaults are based on what unit is being played on, like Victorian and so on. Um, has the next card is here we stand. When a friendly unit would be destroyed, attach this card to that unit until the end of the round. When this unit when this card is removed, destroy this unit. While attached, each time this unit would be destroyed, it performs one morale test. On a success, it is not destroyed but remains in play with one remaining wound. If this is a House Mormont unit, the first time it performs this test it gains plus two to its roll. And support of Bear Island. Start of a friendly turn, target one friendly combat unit. It suffers up to three wounds. Restore one plus that many wounds to another friendly unit in long range. If this targeted a House Mormont unit, also target one enemy engaged with with that friendly unit, they become weakened. Um, I really want to like, uh, Mage, because I like her character. I like the whole Mormont house, but I'm a little, um, I feel like every one of her cards is a little lackluster, um, having only Battle Scars. I mean, um, you know, because, uh, the one downside to Battle Scars is basically, um, Because of the abilities that you gain, you don't want to put Battle Scars in any unit that's already going to have these abilities. So it limits what you put her in. Uh, First one that comes to mind would just pretty much be Berserkers. Um, Berserkers are fairly survivable, um, but they're not like this ultra-tanky unit. And that's, again, something that you kind of want to put Battle Scars in. And Starks don't have this insane amount of healing um sustained assault um most people don't really care for this card it's decent um but the fact they have to begin the turn engaged and then have to have more remaining ranks to get the other effect uh i know baratheon players most of the ones i know this is like one of their hated hated cards in the deck and the fact that it's a commander card is the same thing a little disappointed there um Let's see here we stand is a little weird to me. uh the fact that it only attaches to the end of the round, but then it has ways to fall off even after that uh I feel like um is a little weird design to you know when you have all these other attached cards that remain attached uh for the whole game or for the round, but then just fall off, but the fact that this only attaches to the end of the round and has ways to fall off even before then. Um, so, again, a card that could be game-changing, but you're going to really want to put it on a high morale um, unit to really make sure it doesn't fall off before that end of the round. Um, I do like that it has the when it would be destroyed. So it's a free, I believe, uh, attach this card to the unit. Um, so it does save your unit at least once automatically because I believe you don't have to take that morale test on the first time you would have died because the the trigger for that would have already have passed to force you to take a morale test. Um, but, uh, you know, and then I would say that more than likely that plus two to your morale test roll um, on the first time it happens. I would hope that you're not potentially almost dying three times all in one round, but it is possible. Um so, I don't know, Here We Stand, I think, is a good card. It just has... It's just weird that it even has the potential to fall off um, when you have things like uh, What is Dead May Never Die and ways to really get around it um, to stay alive. Uh, whereas this... I don't know, I think it would be completely fine if you just said... Um, attach this card to them uh, uh, until the end of the round. Uh I mean, I guess the upside to this is that, um, you can keep coming back or keep staying alive. Whereas, uh, what does that matter? So I guess, you know, I'm going to kind of retract what I said, you know, I understand why this card, you know, the more I look in and read this card to myself back at, you know, to you guys out there, um, that I kind of understand the design space for it. And I will say this card is really cool. So it's to potentially the reason that it could fall off sooner is because it keeps working. Every single time you're almost destroyed, you keep coming back with one wound, assuming you keep passing your morale test. So I I see you now, um, uh, what it's meant for, and I like this card a lot, so I'll take it back there. Uh, and then support for Bear Island. Um, it's basically a slightly buffed um, supply aid, uh, which, again, kind of going back to... Uh, uh, what we're talking about with taunt and war cry and um uh uh set for charge all being in tactics card form, I don't know how I feel about uh basically making supply aid a tactics card when you know you have conscripts out there for five points that just have it innately um, it can definitely come in handy. Especially you know you take wounds away from a Berserker unit, heal something else, put berserkers down, so there's some uh some nice application to the card so um i'll I'll reserve this card like my judgment for this card until I've had a chance to really flesh out the combos with it um, so I don't know overall a decent commander um i don't I will definitely be playing her and trying to really uh, find where she fits because uh, maybe there's a build out there that I'm not thinking of where she just su- like really shines, like maybe like half Umber, half Mormont uh, units. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Brett, what's your thoughts on Mage here? Uh-oh. Brett dropped. Um, we'll see if he calls back. Um, so um, Caller is still on uh, I'll bring you back on here If you want to give your thoughts On the commanders uh, How do you feel about them?
3: Uh, sure um, First uh, Casparks. There I I feel like we missed a, a piece of the puzzle like it's missing something I'm not sure what it is It looks like it can be something They give him more potential They give him better A different way to play it I don't know what it is But I just That's the feel I get from, from the cards And his abilities Yeah uh, The Mormon I think she's I feel this, she's going to be underrated. People go to discard her. But I've seen in the right, with the right list, she can be something. Because the way you say, uh, she works in the, the the circus, but she also works with the uh, regular uh, song sorts, with critical, visual sundering. When you add it up all together, it's a piece of a unit.
2: Yeah my no, one concern my with, uh
3: the sworn
0: swords my one concern with sword swords is um you only get those effects after you take a hit and sworn swords aren't super survivable um they're not True. like you know you, they're not gonna just die if you sneeze on them either but uh my that would just be kind of a small concern but yes uh if you want to keep it cheap while making a a really strong 5 point unit that is definitely a, an option i think um I mean, you will kind of be du-
3: compensate yeah go ahead I was gonna
0: say you will be slightly up um doubling up on the rerolls because uh sworn swords do have rerolls at last rank um but you'll still have you know you'll have plus one to hit critical blow vicious sundering high stack die rerolls um all at last get rank. And two see so, get on three sorry threes yep. So, yeah, you'll have, essentially, if you're at last rank with three orders on you, you'll be hitting at uh, threes with seven dice, critical blow, vicious, thundering, rerolls. Um And for a five-point unit, that's pretty crazy, especially if the, you do, by chance, uh, like, get hit and die. You play here we stand to stay for the round, um, and you have, like, assault orders to get multiple attacks in uh, for that round with all those triggers. Um you know, you could even uh, almost die and play Support of Bear Island, take some from a Berserker unit, heal the Sworn Swords with Mage back up.
3: So there's a lot of
2: cool Bevo. things
0: you could potentially do.
3: Right, right. Also, um, uh, I'm agree with you about the cards. When they have an ability that's very common in the game, and it's an in attack in a card, especially for a commander, if it's not well boost or it has a really good kick, I don't know why they do that. Like you have war cry and random tally. It's not even buff and you and your morale test. And now taunting I understand why, especially with the uh, Castor caster But this is like the way you say is it, very easy to counter the longer the longest the opponent has more activation the than, uh, than you are, that's it. Uh, you two extra uh, two on the defense is gone.
2: Yep.
0: And,
3: you know... It's not even, uh, that I
0: can think of. Nothing really has like an effect even with like Warcry where it makes you make a morale test in order to even get the tokens out there. Um, I can't even think of anything that like triggers for Starks off of a morale test. No, like Stubborn Tenacity will trigger if it's a panic test. Um, yeah. And so where you have other cards, let's say like Baratheon Justice, the new version, where you just simply say, okay, you attacked me, auto effect, you get to uh, Panicked Vulnerable, and additional effect to potentially become weakened, so get all the tokens where you have this war cry that's just like, okay, take a morale test, let's see if you even get the Panicked and Vulnerable. Granted, it's long-range, opposed to Baratheon Justice being engaged, but still, I mean... And it's a Commander card versus a generic Baratheon card, but yeah, I, I get your what you're saying, you know, having these cards as commander cards always seems a little lackluster. So, um we'll kind of have to see how it goes. Uh I'm still excited to get them on the table and try them out and uh you know, see see how they play um and what like you were saying with the Karstark, uh um you know, they uh you know, Maybe they're missing a unit. Maybe they have a unit, a third unit in the works that we haven't seen yet um, that will kind of flesh out this whole thing. And, you know, because neither of the Karstarks hit hard. So maybe they have a third Karstark unit coming out that hits really hard that really help with, like, the taunt. Or maybe, like, a retribution Karstark unit that's, like, all about... um, If you hit them, they hit you back or this or that to help with, like, taunt or uh, retribution. After you attack them, you get hurt, but then you're also vulnerable. Uh, There's a lot of cool things that could potentially come up. So it's always hard to, like, know the future of, like, what we're seeing because, obviously, you know, they can't just give us every piece of the puzzle immediately immediately. And tell us exactly all the stuff that's happening because so many things change from now and the time the things actually release that it might be counterproductive to tell us what is going to eventually come out and then just have it change when they realize that it needed changing. So, I don't know. I have, uh, as always, I have high hopes for, um, you know, all of it because even if uh, it may seem a little lackluster now, maybe there's something we don't see or maybe they uh, will change it if they feel it needs changing. Um, so I want to thank you so much for uh, calling in. Uh, I definitely appreciate uh, any time someone calls in it kind of gives their perspective on things. Um,
3: no, thank you very much. So- and like I said before, um, I enjoyed your show. Tell me a little bit to distract me on work and just get through the day. And, but yeah, I'm, if you, if you allow me, let me just Back Simon to just give a little bit of love to the Stark, in particular Mr. Brandon Tully, just because it's my favorite <laughs> character in the books. It's just just me, but uh, I don't know. Just get, take Warcry and give me I don't know like issues commands or I don't know uh, what was the other one called Grave Uh He has a good. One. I just I just need one good card. That's all I need. One good card. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, Brandon Tully is definitely very uh, high on my list for characters, so I definitely feel you there. Um, So with that said, uh, we're going to close out the episode. Uh, I appreciate everyone who uh, was listening in. Um, I was happy that we were able to kind of get through all these hero boxes. Um, There are a handful of units that we still need to cover, and then who knows, you know, um, or sorry I said all the hero boxes but I believe uh, we still have free folk to cover um, and then who knows when they'll leak the Brathians hero three and four and we'll definitely cover those so I'll get with my uh, co-host see when we can cover the free folk box um, and then uh, and go from there um, I definitely want to be you know spitting out these uh, episodes uh, a little. F- faster than normal to not only catch up on a lot of this, uh, stuff, you know, cause as anyone, uh, listening already knows, we like to deep dive into it because I know some, some other shows kind of, they kind of cover all this stuff and they kind of rapid fire through a lot of it and can cover a ton of stuff all in a short amount of time. And we could do that too. That's just not like how we, um, you know, want to do it here. We want to really explore all the avenues, um, and uh possibilities for the attachments um and then also on top of that uh you know i know there's a lot of people who are painters as i mentioned before that listen to our show and uh you know sometimes i'll run into the problem where i'm painting for hours and hours and hours and you know i've already exhausted like so many different outlets of content you know uh the longer the content the better and uh You know, for some people, I know other people may uh, not care for it as much, but, uh, you know, that's why uh, we got a decent variety out there with so many great content creators. Um, Last shout-out I will do is for Sunday Slaughter. They do a uh, – Chris uh, from Sunday Slaughter does – Sorry, I keep wanting to say podcast. He does batter reports which are amazing. So definitely go check those out on YouTube. Uh, I believe he just uploaded one uh not too long ago. Um has a lot of great content uh and then on top of that he does also do a podcast from time to time. Um and their episodes are always amazing. So definitely go check those out. Um you know, if you can. Uh support them in any way, I believe they also have a patreon, so check that out if you can't support uh financially, definitely share out our show as well as their show and uh any content creator that you like to follow um definitely uh you know that's something that will greatly help them uh is just uh word of mouth and send the show out wherever you can um you know with that said, I appreciate all of you. This is the small council radio and it is dismissed.